If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. If you're wondering where 1 Samuel is, 1 Samuel's in the Old Testament, sort of in the middle of your Old Testament. And uh, we're going to be looking at chapter 30 of 1 Samuel this morning. Give you a little bit of time to flip your scroll to that. But really excited about the message I'm here to share with you this morning. Um, and let me just begin by asking you this question. Is when you go to bed every night, do you have a routine? You guys have like a, a routine, something you do every, like maybe a few things that you do every single time in a certain order. You have a routine when you go to bed. Uh, how many of you guys have a routine? How many of you guys have a routine? Mo- most of you should. Like I, I'd say most of you probably would. I'd be surprised if you didn't. I have a routine before we put Bradley to bed. You know, we'll first brush his teeth. We'll go, and then we'll, you know, we'll change him. Uh, we'll, take, we'll give him the bath, all that stuff. Uh, we'll, we'll give him the bath, and then we'll change him in that order, okay? Uh, and then finally, we'll put him to bed, and uh, he'll be all excited to go to bed uh, or not go to bed, whichever one, depending on how he's feeling. And at the end of the night, when, with Charlene, myself, and Bradley, uh, all in one room, what we'll do is we'll pray together. I'll say, okay, Bradley, we're going to pray right now. He'll put his hands together. And I'll always pray uh, a, very, a very similar prayer every single night. And then the, the, the prayer is this. I'll say, dear, dear Jesus, thank you that Bradley is happy, healthy, wise, strong, loving, obedient to God, obedient to his parents, and brave. May he continue to grow in all of these ways. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Right? And, and, and I'll pray that prayer, and that's what we'll always end off with at the end of the night. And the reason I bring that up to you today, this morning, is because today I want to begin a brand new series with you. It's called Happy, Healthy Home. Happy, healthy home. You know, the reason why I, I pray that prayer over Bradley every single night, I pray that he'd be happy, healthy, wise, strong, loving, obedient to God, obedient to his parents, and brave, is because I think deep down we have this desire for our home to be happy and healthy. If you believe that, say amen. Is that we want our marriages to be happy and healthy. We want our kids to be happy and healthy. We want our relationships with our brothers and sisters, our parents, to be happy and healthy. I think deep down we all have that desire that our homes be happy and healthy. And not, don't, don't get me wrong, it's not just that's the only thing, but it's one of our big desires. And you, you have to know this, is that that's not just your desire, it's God's desire as well. God desires for homes to be happy and healthy. In fact, John 10.10 says it this way. Jesus says this, and we can read this out loud in a big, loud voice. Read it with me. One, two, three. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Everyone say life. Everyone say to the full. Jesus came that we would have life to the full, not just exist, not just kind of survive, but he made us to live life to the full. He made us to thrive. He made us to experience life for all it was meant to be. And he wanted us to experience his joy, his peace, his purpose, his forgiveness, his hope, life to the full. He wants us to have a great relationship with him and a great relationship with those around us. And that includes your own family. That includes your home. Jesus came so that we could experience life to the full. But Jesus, he also gives a warning. He says, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. In other words, God has a will for your life, which is to give you life to the full. But there's an enemy out there. His name is Satan. He's called a thief. And this thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy all that God wants to work in your life. And, and so there's almost like a war going on between God and the enemy for your life. And this is the thing, is that if you want a happy, healthy home, it means that you can't just sit back and just watch and wait for it to happen. We need to fight for it. If you believe that, say amen. 
And that's why today as we kick off the series called Happy Healthy Home, we're talking about the attitudes, the habits, the skills that we need to start building into our lives if we want a happy, healthy home the way that God intended. And that means that if you're married in this place, this series is going to be very, very helpful for you. If you know of people who are married, who are struggling in their marriage right now, this series is going to be very, very helpful for them. I encourage you to invite them for that. If you have kids in this place, you're going to have, this is going to be very, very helpful for you. If you have you know, a relationship with your parents that you wish was better than it is right now, this is going to be a helpful series for you. If you know of people who you know, just you know, are struggling with their family, struggling in their home right now, if you're single and you want to get married, you want to have kids one day, this series is going to be helpful for you. So I encourage you to invite your friends to this series as well. We're going to kick off this series this morning with a message that I've called finding strength to fight for your family. Finding strength to fight for your family. See, how many of you guys know that a happy, healthy home doesn't happen automatically? Is that you have to fight for it. You have to fight for it. Talk you have to fight for it. You have to fight for a happy, healthy, a happy, healthy home. And what do I mean by fight for it? it? What I mean is that you have to intentionally build, really be intentional about building into your marriage or building into your relationship, relationship at home the kind of attitudes that are going to lead to a happy, healthy home, the kind of skills and communication skills that will lead to a happy, healthy home, the habits that will lead to a happy, healthy home. And this is a secret. Can I tell you guys a secret this morning that most people don't know? Do you guys know that one of the biggest secrets in the Bible about having a happy, healthy home is this? See, a lot of people don't realize that how happy and how healthy your marriage is, or how happy and how healthy your family is, or how happy and how healthy your home is and the relationship in it, is very much dependent on how healthy your relationship with God is. And how healthy your relationship with God's people, your church, is as well. If you believe that, say amen. In fact, there's an incredible connection, incredible relationship between the relationships in your home and the relationships that you have with God and God's people. We're going to talk about that today. I'm going to put to you today is that if you want a happy, healthy home, if you want a happy, healthy marriage and family, then you need to be connected to God and connected to God's people. And if you are not connected to God or you're not connected to God's people, then what's going to happen is not only are you going to suffer, but your family and your home is not going to be nearly as happy or healthy as it could be the way that God intended. And so we're going to learn about that this morning as we look at 1 Samuel chapter 3. 30 together, and we're going to read this in a big, loud voice, and I'm going to ask you to help me preach this morning as we get into God's word. We're going to big, read this in a big, loud voice, verses 1 to 10. Are you guys awake in this place this morning? You guys are awake? All right, I want you to help me preach this morning. Let's look at verses 1 to 10. Read in a big, loud voice. I'm going to take a drink of water as you read it. 1, 2, 3, it says, David and his men.
David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. Abiathar brought it to him. And David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. David and the 600 men with him came to the Bazor ravine where the some stayed behind. For 200 men were too exhausted to cross the ravine, but David and 400 men continued the pursuit. We're going to drop down to verse 18. Verse 18 says it, 1, 2, 3. David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, and including his two wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they had taken. David brought everything back. He took all the flocks and herds, and his men drove them ahead of the other livestock, saying, this is David's plunder. Now see, what is going on in this passage, and what does this have to do with a happy, healthy home? We're going to learn about that this morning. And you know, I don't know if you know this, but if you're new here to Thrive, uh, we do something uh, kind of interesting. Is we try to act out and bring uh, Scripture to life uh, when we're reading the Old Testament especially. And so I'm going to ask my volunteers in this place to come up right now and really, really quick. Can you, guys ask, can you give a hand to all my volunteers right now? Give them a big hand right now. Give them a big hand together right now. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Come on, you do better than that. Let's give God, let's give God and let's give our volunteers a big hand right now. Okay. All right, we need a girl as well. Uh, Ivy, can I get? Can I borrow Ivy right now? Can, let's go, let's, so Ivy, why don't you why don't you go over here? Excellent. Okay, Ivy, I want you to go to the far uh, of my right there. Okay, uh, I want uh, Jerry. Why don't you go to, to the right as well? All right. Okay. Awesome. So, got a good-looking cast here. Uh, I'm gonna show you guys uh, what these characters are all about. This, 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 of course, First Samuel, and we're going through this in our game time these days. First Samuel is a lot about a guy called David. I want to say David. This is David right here. All right. David is right here. Okay, we're going to get back to David in just a bit. Uh, these guys are two of David's men. All right, now, the Bible says that at the time, David was being followed by 600 men. He had a 600-person church with them, 600-person army there, and there were, there's, there's these two right here, okay? So we're going to have, uh, we have 400 and 200, okay? So 600 men, all right? So these guys look like three, three guys right there, but this is 601 men right now, okay? That's, that's, that's what we're looking at right now. On this side, we have a guy called King Ashish. Everyone say Ashish. Ashish, King Ashish, he is the king of the Philistines, all right? And uh, normally the Israelites and the Philistines are mortal enemies, but in just a minute you'll see something very interesting happening between these two. That's King Ashish. Uh, David has a wife, his name, her name is Abigail. Let's give it up for the lovely Abigail right here, okay? Okay, Abigail, oh yeah, yeah that's your name, yes, Abigail, okay? And then uh, Jerry here, you're going to be an Amalekite, all right? Very vicious, very mean, uh, very rough. Uh, you know, and uh, and and and, th and this, and, and you're going to need to use all of those skills today uh, as we go into this. See what is happening in First Samuel 30. See, and if you want to understand what happens in First Samuel 30, you have to understand a little bit of what happened before that. See, you have a guy called David. Everyone say David. And David, he is one of the most famous characters in the Bible. So many books written about David and his life and all that he went through. David, he was a good-looking guy, right? Good-looking. Uh, he was a musician, all right? He was very musical, wrote songs, uh, sang songs, played the guitar, all that stuff. Uh, you know, David, he was also a, a military leader. 
Uh, many people they don't, who don't even read the Bible, they know that David was uh, the one who slayed a giant called Goliath, right? And so he slayed Goliath. In addition to that, David also led Israel in many of its military campaigns, so much so that people thought that David was the greatest military commander in the land of Israel. They even had a song, as a pop song, that was popular all throughout Israel and even into other lands. It goes, Saul has slain his thousands, David tens of thousands. Saul was the king of Israel at the time, but they were saying Saul has slain his thousands, but David tens of thousands. And it was, it was a billboard topping chart. Uh, you know, it was one of, like a, a hit for like across the land of Israel. I don't know how it sounds. It maybe like Saul has slain his thousands, David tens of thousands. I don't know. I, 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 it went maybe something like that. And you know, people would be dancing to it. People would be singing it. Saul has slain his thousands, David tens of thousands. Right? You like that song? Is that a good song? Yeah, you like that song. Right? And so, and see, here's the thing: is David? He was a military leader. He uh, was, you know, he was handsome, he was a musician, he was well-rounded, and on top of that, he was actually anointed the next king of Israel. He was going to be Saul's successor. But the most important thing you need to know about David is that David loved God. He loved God, and he also loved God's people. He was known for his faith. He was known for his bravery. He was known for his heart for God. And, and, and this is the thing, is that during this, in, in the time of this passage that we're reading, 1 Samuel 30, David is not acting like himself. David is in one of the worst seasons of his lives where he is running for his life. See, Saul, he's the king of Israel. He is so jealous of David that he's hunting him down. And David finally at one point gives up. And he says, you know, he says to himself, he says in his heart, you know, it's only a matter of time before Saul destroys me, right? You don't want to look a bit depressed, okay, right, okay. And, and he decides, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave the people of God in Israel, and I'm going to go into hiding. I'm going to go to the land of the Philistines. And he, he, his family, and even his 600 men, they all go with him. And during this time, it is the, one of the first times where, where David intentionally cuts himself from God's people and decides to take his family to the land of the Philistines where he pretends to be a Philistine, where he pretends to be a soldier in King Ashish's army, going to fight with him in the battles that King Ashish would fight. And so we're going to do this. If you're all part of the Philistine army, I'll be a Philistine commander as well, okay? So we're going to do this here, okay? We're just going to do this, okay? All right, so we're going to just, just face this way. We're going to march in the Philistine army, okay? Here we go. Ready, go. And hop, two, three, four, hop, two, three, four, hop, two, three, four, attention, right turn. Okay, you, you see that they're getting used to being in the Philistine army, right? Okay, and, and, and see, th this is what's going on, is they're, they're marching with the Philistine army, they're marching with King Ashish, and all of a sudden, some of the commanders of King Ashish's army, they go to King Ashish and go, hey, King, your highness, who, who is this behind us here? This is David, isn't it? Ha haven't you heard the song like Saul has slain his thousands, David tens of thousands? Like, it, like he is an Israelite. You know, one of the best ways that he can gain the favor of King Saul is to turn on us and cut off our heads in the middle of battle. I don't trust him. I don't trust him. You know, King Ashish was a big fan of David. He thought he 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 you know he he thinks you know they they have a great relationship but you know he couldn't get past his commanding officers and so so King Ashish he says to David David I'm sorry you have been like an angel in my eyes but you need to go we need to release you from this army because my commanders don't approve of you so please go home with your six hundred men. 
Now, of course, David, he's pretending to be sad, but of course, he is extremely happy because he doesn't want to be associated with the Philistines. He, he doesn't want to go to battle against his own people, and so he gladly goes home with his men to a place called Ziklag. It's a town in Judah that's occupied the Philistines, and, and there, when they get to Ziklag, they find that Ziklag has been raided by another group called the Amalekites, and it's, they, they've, raided it, they've raided the town. They've burned it to the ground, and what's more, they've kidnapped all the women and children. Everyone go, ooh. And so what ends up happening is, what, what, what's your reaction if you lose your wife and children? You're smiling right now. Okay, 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 okay. So you, you've lost your wife and children. Okay, so, so, you, so, so they're weeping, all right? They're weeping. They're, they're weeping. Okay, you're very silent right now. I said we were weeping. Okay, they're weeping. Okay, very good. Very good. It's because, it's because the Amalekites have raided the town of Ziklag, and they've captured all the women and children, including Abigail, David's wife. All right? Uh, you're looking very at peace right now. Okay. Uh, but uh, I guess uh, kidnapping's not so bad. Okay. So here we go. Uh, and so, and so, th- so the Amalekites are, are, are taking over all of David's family and the family of his men. And finally, David's men are starting to become extremely bitter toward David. And they think, we've got to stone this guy we got to stone him. It's his fault. We never wanted to be Philistines. We never wanted to be in the Philistine army. It's all his fault. And they gonna, they're going to they're gonna start to stone him. David, however, the Bible says, found strength in the Lord his God. He, 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 go, he goes into the presence of God. And with his pastor, Abiathar, he prays and he seeks God. And the Bible says God, and that David found strength in his God. And after that, he inquires of God, says, God, what do you want me to do? Should I go and attack the Amalekites? Should I go and do a successful rescue operation? And, 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 and he senses the presence of God, say, yes, it's time for you to go. You will surely be successful. And so he, he tells his men, okay, we're gonna t- it's time for us men to fight for our family. It's time for us to fight for our family. And so they start marching. They start marching. They get to a ravine. And at that point, 200 of the men want to drop out. They're like, I'm so tired. I am exhausted. I can't keep on going. And so, and so they decide, David, in his compassion, says, okay, you stay behind. Me and these 400 guys, we're going to go, and we're going to rescue everyone on behalf of the 200. And so they go. They go. They go, they go, and finally they attack the Amalekites, okay, 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 all right, they, they raid him, they, they, they take his wallet, they take his phone, okay, they, they take all the stuff that was, the, the, was stolen from them, and of course they take back their family, they take back their children and women, and they go back to Ziklag, having recovered what was stolen from them. Can we give all of our volunteers a big hand in this place right now? Let's give them a big, big hand right now. Praise God. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks so much. Praise God. Praise God. A lot more violence on the stage than you expected this morning. Isn't that right? But here's the thing. What can we learn from this whole passage here that we've just acted out? See, is this, is that when there is stress in your home, when there is conflict in your marriage, when there is tension in your family, when there's uncertainty in your future, when you are suffering incredible loss in your home or in your life, then you, want, you need a power source to help fight for your family. 
We all, from time to time, will face seasons where we especially need to contend for our family, to fight for our family. And in this particular passage, we learn that there's two sources of strength that God gives to us to help us fight for our family. You can write these down. The first source of strength is when fighting for your family, it's about learning to find strength in God. It's about finding strength in God. See, your first and greatest source of strength when you're fighting for your family is God himself. See, God didn't make you to fight the battles that you're going through right now all on your own. He made you to have teammates, the most important teammate being God himself. Let's all read 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6 together. Can we read verse 6 together right now? It says, 1, 2, 3, it says, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters, but David found strength in the Lord his God. If you have your Bibles, I want you to underline those last words, David found strength in the Lord his God. See, David, he was under tremendous pressure. His family had been taken away from him. His closeness partners wanted to stone him. He had been far from God and far from God's people for 16 months. And But verse 6 says that David had a turning point. David had a moment of clarity where David turns to God and for after the first time in 16 months, he finds strength in the Lord. Aren't you glad that no matter how far we run away from God or how long we've been away from him, that his door is always open, amen? Is that no matter how distant you've been from God, no matter how much you've rebelled against him, no matter how, what is going on in your life, you can go to God as your number one source of strength. Let's all read 1 Samuel chapter 39 and 10. 9 and 10 says, read it with me. It says, David and the 600 men with him came to the Bazor Ravine where some stayed behind. For 200 men were too exhausted to cross the ravine, but David and 400 men continued the pursuit. I'm going to ask my 200 men and my 400 men to come up, up up the stage once again, okay? Can I just come up real quick, really quick? See, I, this past week, I've been meditating on this passage. I'm asking the Holy Spirit for insight into this passage, and, and this is what I've learned, is that, you know, David, he had 600 men, 600 men who would, you know, go with him wherever he went. 200 of them were way too exhausted to do anything anymore. They just had no power in and of themselves to go where David wanted to go. 400 of them could go and went with them. And, you know, David, he says, okay, I'm going to leave the 200, let them rest. You stay with the supplies. You just take good care of what you already have. And I'm going to go with the 400, and I'm going to go and get what the enemy has stolen from you. And I've been asking the Holy Spirit for insight into this passage. And one of the things that I've learned is this, is that we are a lot like the 200 men. We are a lot like the 200 men, is that we in and of ourselves have no power to reclaim or recapture what the enemy had stolen from us. But Jesus is like the 400 men. Amen. Jesus is like the 400 who went in pursuit, who said, okay, you stay behind, and I'm going to go on your behalf. When we had no power to cross that ravine on our own, when we couldn't get there, there's a body of water, a ravine is a body of water, and they couldn't, they couldn't cross it. When we had no power in ourselves to do what we knew God wanted us to do, Jesus went, and he did on our behalf what only he could do. And what, what was that? That Jesus went, and he pursued the enemy on our behalf. Jesus went and he recaptured and reclaimed what the enemy stole on our behalf. That is the grace of God, his unearned, undeserved favor in our lives. If you believe that, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. Jesus is your 400. Amen. 
Jesus is our 400. And see, one of the big lessons that I want you to learn from today's passage is this, is that for every one of your weaknesses, for every one of your weaknesses, God has a double portion of strength for you in Jesus Christ. Amen. That for every one of the areas of your life where you are weak, God has a double portion of strength in Jesus Christ to give to you. And so you might feel like you are, you know, just really weak, really just like not feeling it right now, not at your best. Praise God, because in that very moment, God has a double portion of his strength to give to you. You might be in a place of just absolute worry, stressed out beyond belief, so stressed about stuff you cannot control, but you know what? At the same time, God has a double portion of his peace to give to you. You know, you might be in a place where you find that you're so frustrated and bitter at certain people who've hurt you or treated you a certain way, and you don't know how you can move on. You're living in the past. You're haunted by past hurts, but you know what? At the same time, God has a double portion of healing and forgiveness and freedom for you in Jesus Christ. If you believe that, say amen. It's because for every one of the weaknesses that you may experience in life, God has a double portion of strength for you in Jesus Christ. Everyone say a double portion. A double portion. Let's, and and you know, you're going to find this is that there, there will be times when you know you need to cross that river, cross that ravine, get over that hump, get over that mountain, overcome that challenge, and you just feel like there's nothing in you that's able to get over. Can I tell you, in that same very moment, God's grace is there to give you a double portion of strength in Jesus Christ. He will not let you down. He will be, he will be strong in your weakness. And that's why Paul would even say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's because in Jesus Christ, you have a portion, a double portion of God's grace in your weakness. If you believe that, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. There's a double portion of grace and strength for every one of us, even in our weakness. thanks, Thanks so much, guys. 200, 400 guys. Thank you so much. Praise God. See, this is the thing. I want you to notice one more thing, is that you know, and that's exactly what Jesus did for us on the cross, is that when we had no way of reaching God on our own, when we had no way of crossing the ravine to get to where God wanted us to be, when we had all fallen short of God's standard, Jesus didn't go, come on, just try a little bit harder. Try a little bit harder. Come on, you can do it. Instead, he said, you know what? You stay back, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to do what you can never do on your own. I'm going to go, and I'm going to die on the cross for your sins. I'm going to live the life that only God in the flesh can live. I'm going to die on the cross, I'm going to be buried, and I'm going to be risen again to show that life is in me, that death and sin have, hold, have no hold over me, and that if you place your trust in me, you can have the hope of an eternal life and purpose with God. If you believe that, say amen. I want you to notice one more thing. Notice this, is that when David and his 400 men went and they went after the Amalekites, they rescued their family, they recaptured what the enemy stolen. Notice this, is that they didn't just recapture what was taken from them, but they plundered the Amalekites. They got even more than they had before the loss. And what does that tell you about the way that God works in our lives? What does it tell you about the way that God restores you and me whenever we go through pain or a loss? Is that God doesn't just want to make you whole and, and put you back in the position you were before that 
hurt or before that loss or before that disappointment or before that divorce or before that, that, that defeat or before that failure, that, that he doesn't just want to kind of put you back together almost like a, a broken vase and you just kind of put all the pieces together with some glue and it, you, you can still see it's broken. No, he gives you, he makes you whole and then some, amen? Is that he, he doesn't just give, put all the pieces together. He gives you a brand new vase. He makes you whole once again. He restores you and then some because that's the kind of God that he is. If you believe that, say amen. And so you can come actually out better after the loss than you were before when you learned to fight for your family with the strength that God has given to you. Tell person you, it's time to fight for my family. So, you know, if your marriage is falling apart this morning, or if your family is going through a really rough patch this morning, can I tell you this? Jesus is here to give you strength. Jesus doesn't just want to help you put your family back together so it's the way it used to be. He wants to take you to a new place that you've never, ever been before. He wants to restore you and then some. He wants to give you a double portion. Amen. How do you find strength in God? Practically speaking, how does that work? Well, well like we saw in, in some of the stories we've heard this morning, is it begins by inviting Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you of your sins. And then it's about learning to grow that relationship with God, learn to walk with Jesus, to make your relationship with God a priority in your life, which includes, you know, come to church on a regular basis, come weekly, make that time with God and with God's people your priority. It's about learning to, learn to seek God's face daily. That's why we have something called our game time, where we read a little bit of God's word and we pray together, you know, as, as our way to draw close to God every single day. It's about doing stuff like, you know, Thrive Discipleship School, where we, you know, train you and equip you to learn the habits that you need to grow in your relationship with God. It's about learning to obey what you hear when God speaks to you. It's about deepening your relationship with Jesus and depending on him moment by moment. That's how you find strength in God. And let me tell you this. That's, there's a reason why that's so important. It's because if you don't find strength in God, you know what's going to happen? You're going to try to find that strength in something else that's not going to work. If you don't try to find strength in God to help you fight for your family, you're going to try to find strength somewhere else or in someone else, and it's not going to satisfy you. Let me give you an example. I've got a friend who, you know, when I first met him, his marriage was falling apart. His family was falling apart. And he always thought that, you know, you know as long as he tries hard and works hard, everything's going to be, going to be fine. But it got to the point where, for some reason, no matter how hard he tried, his family was just not the happy, healthy family that he wanted to be. His marriage was not the happy, healthy marriage that he wanted to be. And, and what ended up happening was, was to cope with his problems, he started to resort to alcohol. And he would just drink, you know, to drink his sorrows away. And it ended up becoming an addiction. He became an alcoholic. And, and at, at that point, his marriage started to fall apart even more. His, his kids, he got even more distant from them. And, and as a result, he was, you know, in a place of, that was even worse than he was before. It was because he was trying to find his strength in something that would not satisfy. And at, at, at some point, he said, you know what? I, this, something's got to change. He started going to church. At church, he started crying out to Jesus and going, Jesus, I need your help. I need your strength to overcome my alcoholism and to get back with my family and to go to a place that we are, you know, just that's not here. We want to go to a better place. We want to be a happy, healthy family. And with, the, with a renewed, found relationship with Jesus Christ, he started to slowly put his life 
back together. And he started to find his strength in God. The Lord started to rely on God more and more. And, all, and, and slowly, eventually, his marriage started to get better. His, his relationship with his kids started to get better to the point where when you ask him today, where's your family now? He can say, you know what? We're in the best place we have ever been. And it's not because I worked really hard. It's all because there is strength in Jesus Christ. If you believe that, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. There is strength in Jesus to fight for your family. And so let me ask you this question this morning. Is when, when it comes to fighting for your family, whose strength are you depending on? Are you depending on your own strength or are you depending on God's strength? When it comes to fighting for your family, whose wisdom are you depending on? Is it your own ideas and your own thoughts about oh, this, this, this is how I should do it and that's how I do it, this, that, that's how, this is how my parents did it, so that's, all, this, 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 that's the way we always do it? Or, or is it, you know, let me learn what God has to say about this situation. Let me learn what God wants me to do differently in this situation. Let me learn how I can change the way that God wants me to be so that I can be the, the husband that he made me to be. I could be the father that he made me to be. I could be the brother or the son that God made me to be. What when it comes to fighting for your family, whose strength are you depending on? God didn't make you to fight your battles alone. He didn't make you to fight that marriage struggle right now alone. He made you to have a teammate. His name is Jesus Christ. If you believe that, say amen. Maybe the reason why you're so frustrated right now with your family or, frustra- or so frustrated with the person you're married to right now or so just frustrated generally with life is because you've been depending on your own strength this whole season. And it's just been you, and it's about you, and what you think, and what you feel, and it's just all been about you. It's time to find strength in God, because it is God who gives you the strength to fight for your family. That's the first thing we learn from 1 Samuel chapter 30. There's a second thing we learn, a second power source that we get to fight for our family, and that is this. You can write this down. When fighting for your family, find strength with God's people. Find strength with God's people. Are are there any of God's people in this place this morning? I said, is there any any of God's people in this place this morning? All right, all right, praise God. See, here's the thing. When you study 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, it talks a lot about the life of David. The times when David was at his best... The times when David was at his very strongest, the times when he accomplished the most and blessed the most people, the times when he, you would say that those were the, the highlights of his life. Do you know, those were the times when he was closely connected with God's people. That his success and his connection with God's people went hand in hand. And so, for example, you know, David, he's known for slaying the giant Goliath. But see, here's the thing. David would have never beat that giant if it were not for a guy called Samuel, a prophet who went out of his way to find David, to pray for David, to speak into David's life, to to anoint David and bless him and help David experience the power that is in the Holy Spirit. It wouldn't have happened if it weren't for his connection to Samuel. You know, David, he's known for being the most beloved king in all of Israel. But you know this is that that would have never happened if it weren't for a guy called Jonathan who stepped into his life like an older brother became his best friend when they would pray he would encourage him he would he would he would give him the bible says that he would help him find strength in in god and he would give him good advice and encouragement he would even sacrifice his own interests so that david could advance that was the friend that david had in jonathan he wouldn't have become the most beloved king of israel if he wasn't connected closely with a guy called jonathan and when you read of david's life so many others there's a guy called there's a guy called abimelech who's a priest there's 
Abigail, his wife. There's Abiathar, another priest. There's Nathan, a prophet. There's his 30 mighty men. He had so many people who he was closely connected with who helped him succeed and become who he made, who he became and to experience the success that he did because at those crucial times, he was connected with the people of God. If you believe that, say amen. See, David was strongest when he was connected with the people of God. And guess what? So are you. You are strongest, and you are at your best when you are closely connected with the people of God. You know, when you look at the life of David, there's a lot of great success stories, a lot of awesome triumphs. But, you know, one of the beautiful things about David is that he's just like you and me, is that he is broken like anything. And when you see David's defeats and David's failures and David's mistakes, you're going to notice a pattern, which is this, is that, do you know when David was at his weakest? It was when he was disconnected from the people of God. It's when he would intentionally separate himself from God's people and try to figure things out on himself. It's like, it's like, I don't need you guys. I don't need to know what you have to say. I'm just going to do what I think is right. I'm going to just do what I think I need to do. I don't need anyone else to be here right now. I'm going to just figure it out myself. And that's when he, his marriage, his family would suffer the most. That's when he would commit adultery. That's when he would murder. That's when he would cast this big web of lies, pretending to be someone he's not, all because he was not connected to the people of God. He intentionally cut himself off. And that's exactly what we see in today's passage. First Samuel 30 is David, for 16 months, he has separated himself from the people of God. You know, you know, he, he's no longer associating with his church. He's not no, no longer associated with you know, his brothers and sisters spiritually. He's, he's just kind of on his own with his 600 men, pretending to be someone he's, who's not, he, he, that he's not. Pretending to be a Philistine, trying to, you know, trying to win the approval of a king that he doesn't even like. And, and he's, he's living in the world, this other world now, and he's trying to be someone who he's not, and he's so busy doing that, and he's, and, and he's, he's casting this web of lies to kind of protect himself because he can't be real with other people and he's in that place and and he's so busy doing that not knowing that as he's doing that his family is being taken captive that his family is being taken away and by the time Abby, uh, when the, by the time king ashish says okay david you can go he's like whoo i can go by the time he gets back his family is gone let me ask you this has that ever happened to you has that ever happened to you is that you were so focused on being someone that you're not, or you're so focused on trying to please or get the approval of someone that you don't even like. You're so busy trying to do things apart from God and apart from God's people, and by the time you get back to the things that matter most, like your family, you find it's falling apart. That's exactly what David did, and it's all because it began when he cut himself from the people of God. See, I don't want that to happen to any one of us here in this place because I believe that God made us to have life and life to the full, that he made us to have happy, healthy homes. But can I tell you this in this place? Is that if you insist on cutting yourself from the people of God, if you insist on, God, just, I'll just figure it out myself. I'll do it my way. I don't need the church. I don't need anyone else. I'll just do it my way. And guess what's going to happen? You might find yourself in exactly the same place that David was in. So busy pretending to be someone you're not. So busy trying to please someone you don't even like. Only to find that your marriage, your family is falling apart. See, what's the lesson in all of this? The lesson is this. It is a lot easier to lose your direction and to lose your marriage, and to lose your family, and to lose your purpose when you are disconnected from the people of God. 
That's the easiest time. That's the time when it is, you are the most vulnerable. That's the time when you are the weakest. And here's the thing. You and your home, your family are strongest when you're connected to the people of God. And why is that? It's because when you're connected to the people of God, you have these inputs into your life. You get teaching from the word of God. You get encouragement from God's people. You get the example of others that you can learn from. You get the support of people's prayers. You get protection. You get a break from your normal day-to-day. You get the refreshing presence of God in your life when you're connected with God's people. If you believe that, say amen. And that helps you when, you when you're trying to do a good job of being a, a husband or a wife, a mother or, or, or a father or, or a good son or daughter or a good brother or sister. It helps because you need all the strength that you can get to be the person that God made you to be. Let me just end today by talking about three specific benefits that happen, that come to you when you're connected with the people of God. You can write this down. Number one is this, is when you're connected with the people of God, you find wisdom for your life, for your marriage, and your family. When you're connected with the people of God, there is wisdom for you to gain. For example, one of uh, our friends who got baptized this morning, he was, he was sharing his story with me about how from an early age, he already sensed that, you know, there was a God. That he already sensed that, you know, there was something out there that was, you know, th- that was, you know, trying to lead him or protect him and all that stuff. But it wasn't until a few months ago when he received Christ into his life. He was in church. The pastor was preaching about Jesus. He received Jesus into his life. And just last Sunday, you know, he, he went to our Thrive Disciple School level, level one, you know, getting to know Thrive Church. And, and there, Pastor Shar, she's teaching about, you know, the importance of baptism, how Baptism is not some graduation. It's not saying that you're a perfect Christian. It doesn't mean you have it all put together. It doesn't mean you have no, no more questions. But baptism is simply where you take one step to say, yes, I believe in Jesus. And, and that's what baptism is about. And he's like, you know what? That's what I need to do. That, that's, that's one thing that's been missing in my life all this time. I've, I've never taken that step to actually say, Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I put my faith in you. And so he did that this morning, and we're proud of him for doing that, taking that step. It's because when he was connected with the family of God, he all of a sudden got vision and wisdom for his life. If you believe that, say amen. You know, last week, Pastor Charlene and I, we were at a conference uh, in Washington State, and we met a couple who just seemed so much in love. They just seemed like they are, you know, they've been married for years now. Uh, they have, like, four kids, but they just seem like they're, like, newlyweds. They just seem like they are, they just, they just got married or something because they just seem so much in love. And, and we asked them, so, like, we asked them to share a bit of their story, and they said, hey, you know what, we, we, our marriage in the first two years was a train wreck. It was so like, it was a disaster. And it's because I brought in stuff from my past, a lot of baggage. She brought in stuff, a lot from her past, and a lot of baggage. And when we came together, it was like we were fighting constantly. We just were missing each other constantly. And do you know what changed, JB? He said, what changed is when we started to commit to a church and be a part of a community of believers where we could learn what God has for the family and what, God, what, a, what a healthy, happy marriage looks like according to God's word. And that's when things started to change. And they did one more thing. You know what they did? They did one more thing. They decided we're not just going to commit to a, 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 a church body and, and, and learn what it's like to be a healthy husband and wife. But they decided we're, we're going to go find our pastors. We're going to move next door to them. Isn't that incredible? So they went to wherever, they, they found their pastor's house. We're, we're, we're going to live in that house. 
And, 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 and that's what they did. They, and, and, and why did they do that? It's because they wanted to watch and see what a, what a healthy couple looks like. And said so they learned so much just from watching how an older couple related to another and loved one another. And they thought, you want, from this, I've gained wisdom for our marriage, wisdom for our family, wisdom for our life. And see, here's the thing. I'm not saying that you should you know, you know, go find the house that Char and I live in and, and, you know, and buy the house next door or across the street. Uh, you can try to if you want to. But here's the thing is, is that the Bible is the best relationship manual there is. It's not just a rule book. It's not just a do's and don'ts list. It's not just even a love letter from God. It is a love letter from God, but it is also the best relationship manual there is. And, and this is the thing. Sometimes, I don't say sometimes, I think a lot of times, we need others to help explain and illustrate what this manual says. We need others in our lives. We need God's people in our lives to explain and illustrate what does that mean? What does that look like? What is that, what is, how does that play out in my life? And that's why here at church, the, the word of God, it plays such a prominent role every time we meet together as a church is because the word of God is our relationship manual. It is the light of our lives. It is, it is our hope. It is our health. It is our future. It is, it is everything to us because the word of God helps us become who God wants us to be. If you believe that, say amen. That's the first thing about being connected with the people of God, is that you gain wisdom for your life and for your home. The second thing is this, is when you're connected with the people of God, you learn and grow by watching other couples and families. Don't you, don't you guys find that? Is that we tend to be the most influenced by the people that we are closest to. Is that whether we're living with them or we call them our closest friends or we spend the most time with them, those are the people that, we t- that tend to influence us the most. In fact, they, they say this, this, that you tend to be an average of the five closest friends that you have. And, and this is the thing. We are influenced by the people that we get close to. You know, once I, I was having lunch with uh, some friends and their son, a couple, their awesome son, and before lunch, they said, okay, son, let's pray together. And I, I, saw, I saw the son put his hands together like this, and then they prayed. And I thought to myself, you know what, that's really cool. i got to try that with Bradley. And, 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 you know, that's how we started. Kind of, you know, I thought, you know, that's a really cool way to show reverence to God. For, 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 for a small child, like four or five years old, where they're just kind of learning about God and learning about Jesus, is that how, how is it that they can show reverence to God and respect to God? It's like, hey, doing this... It's cool. I'm not saying you have to do that, but, but this, this is just a kind of a really cool, simple way for a child to learn to respect God and to revere God and to fear God and to trust God. And so from that day forward, I was like, you know what, Bradley? The next morning, I was like, hey, we're going to try something, okay? Is that we're going to pray, and when we pray, I want you to put your hands together this way. And he's like, uh, okay. And he did. And from that day forward, we've been praying ever since. Why? It's because when you're connected with God's people, you learn and grow by watching other couples and by watching other families. You know, you know there's, there's one of our friends who got, uh, got baptized today, Michael was saying that, you know, when, when he would look at the kids in our church, he thinks to himself, man, these kids are so happy and so healthy and so energetic, and it makes me want to have kids. And it makes me want to have, you know, kids like that. Amen. Amen? Maybe not having kids right now, but, you know, but the, the, the thing is, having kids who are that happy and that energetic, I want to raise my family in a healthy church environment. Because when you're connected with God's people, what happens? You learn by watching what other people do. If you believe that, say amen. Praise God. Another thing, the third thing that happens when we are connected with God's people is when you're connected with God's people, you find support and strength to face difficult circumstances. 
is that it's not just about you know, reading the Bible on your own or going on YouTube and look, looking up a sermon, but when you are with people, on the phone, face-to-face, in person with people, there is a support and a strength that comes from the people of God when you face difficult circumstances. Serene, uh, the, uh, one, one of our friends who got baptized this morning, she, she wrote this in her baptism testimony. She said, in getting to know Jesus and my fellow Christians, it has given me hope that as a mother of two who also has to manage a day job, that I am not lost. I have started to find my strength and my inner peace through coming to church, meeting the wonderful people that thrive, and believing that God has a, pa- has a path for me that is the one that I need. And you know what? It's, it's because... In church, you find support and strength to face the most difficult times of your life. It's in church when you are reminded of what's most important. It's in church when you're reminded of the presence of God. It's, it's, it's in the church that you're reminded of the promises of God. It's in church when you find support from people who are real living people who are going through similar circumstances as you. You know, I think earlier in, in, in my marriage with Charlene, Pastor Char and I, we would, you know, we would sometimes, you know, come to church, uh, you know, this is when we first got married, we would come to church arguing. And, you know, I, I'm sure I'm the only one who's ever done that before, right? No one else has ever argued while going to church before. Yeah, right. So many of the people here in this place, you, 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 you just did that this morning, all right? And you did that this morning, and, and, and you're arguing, and you're like, oh, da 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 and, and you're arguing in church. But then this would happen so often, is that we go into church, and we sit in the service. We'd sit under the teaching of God's word, and at the end of the service, we'd be like, you know what? What were we fighting about? That was like so stupid. That was so small. I can't believe we made it such a big deal. And we would end up walking, holding hands, going out the church. It's because when you're with God's people, there's a support and a strength that you get to face your difficult circumstances. You know, I've heard other couples in our church say that as well. It's like they'll be, "Hey, JB, can I tell you a secret? You know, like, uh, you know, we, like, you know, me and my wife today, you know, we 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 came in here and in, in the car we just got into a big fight." But then we walked in the service, and the worship team was playing, and we just, just really sensed the presence of God. And then, you know, the, the, and then we went to the preaching of God's word, and just like that was, that was just really helpful for us. And, and, and we're, we're leaving here, like, holding hands. But, yeah, that's just a secret. That, that, you, that, you know, that, that, has that ever happened to you? And I'm, oh, no, no. That, 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 that's, that's, let me pray for you. That's, a, that's an exceptional circle. So, see, that's, you know, that, 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 this is the thing. It happens to all of us that we go through stuff that we don't find we can handle, but we get into the presence of God, and it gives us strength and support to help us face our difficult storms. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. If you want your home or your marriage or your family or your relationships to be at their best, then you need to be connected with God's people. How do you get connected with God's people? Well, it starts by coming to church regularly, making Sundays a priority for you to say, you know what, I don't care what else is going on on Sunday morning, I'm going to be with the people of God on Sunday morning. This is my home church. This is where I'm going to be. You're going to find me here worshiping with God's people. Another thing that you can do, start joining a small group and say, you know what, it's one thing to you know, be all together this way. This is always awesome to worship God in a big group and to worship God together, to sit in the teaching of God's word. That is all important. But this, this is the thing. It's tough to get to know people when you're all facing the same direction, looking at one person. It's in small groups that we get to know each other. It's in small groups that we can encourage one another. It's in small groups that we can really pray for one another. And that's why I want to encourage you, if you're not part of a small group yet, or you haven't been in a small group for a long time, it's time to get reconnected to a small group. If you believe that, say amen. You know, you might say, well, JB, 
I can't really relate to the people in small group, or they're so different from me, or you know, they don't understand me, or you know, it's hard for me to share what's on my heart. I don't, I, I, I don't, don't feel that comfortable. Can I tell you this? Is that I, I totally understand. I mean, it, it's, it's one of those things where we all go through that transition process, but I want you to remember Jesus Christ. Jesus was the Son of Man, the Son of God, perfect in every way. And yet, when he lived on this earth, he didn't say, oh, these people, they're so hard to relate to. They don't understand me. I'm not going to share what's on my heart with them. You know, I, I can't really you know, be in community with them. I'm just going to do my own thing and figure things out myself. I don't need anybody. Jesus didn't say that. Instead, he got together with these 12 guys and some more guys and some more girls. And, 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 and he, even though they were far less perfect than he was, he would humble himself and say, you know what? Because I need community. Because people Human beings, including me, we need community. And so I'm going to spend my time investing in a group of people and do life together because that is what we need if we want to fight for our family. If you believe that, say amen. And in the same way, you know, you might be, oh, it's so hard to relate to people or I, I don't feel comfortable. It takes time. But let me tell you, if you will humble yourself and recognize your need for community, if you will commit to a small group and say, not because the people in that group are perfect, but because I trust that when I seek God's kingdom first, that God is working and he will work through those relationships. He will work in my small group. He will work in me in ways that I don't even expect, in those ways that change and mold and, and sharpen my character, in ways that you know, start opening my, my heart, in ways that stretch me to become a more loving person, that if you will have that kind of attitude in a small group, what's gonna happen? You're gonna experience the blessing and the benefit of being connected with God's people, and you're gonna share that blessing and benefit with others as well. If you believe that, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. Give God a big hand right now. Come on. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 26 to, 20, to, 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 to 31. We might just read part of it right now. Read it with me in a big, loud voice. 1, 2, 3, it says, When David arrived in Ziklag, he sent some of the plunder to the elders of Judah, who were his friends, saying, Here is a present for you from the plunder of the Lord's enemies. He sent it to those who were in Bethel, Ramoth, Negev, and Jatir, to those in Aror, Siphamoth, uh, Eshtimoah, and Rakal, to those in the towns of the Jerhamilites and the Kenites, uh, to those in Hormah, Borashan, Athak, and then Hebron, and to those in all the other places where David and his men had roamed. What is up with all those different names and places? Go back to verse 26, please. See, what, what is it saying? Is that, that, that David for 16 months was disconnected from the people of God was doing his own thing was doing his own thing didn't really have anything to do with the people of God but then all of a sudden after the attack that happens on his family he realizes man that was because I wasn't connected with the people of God that's because I wasn't looking to God as my strength that's because I wasn't looking for strength with God's people and, and so he, he starts to change and he starts to say you know what we've got this plunder that we got back from the Amalekites I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this as an opportunity to reconnect with the people of God. And so he goes to the different places where he used to go, where he used to worship with them, where he used to pray with them. And he goes, hey, guys, I know it's been a while, but I'm back now. And here, let me share a blessing with you that I received. And what was that? That was David realizing, I need to be connected with God's people. 
I can't just stay doing my own thing anymore because if I do that, I'm going to suffer. My family's going to suffer. But when I get connected with the people of God, my family becomes happy and healthy a lot more than it was before. When I'm connected with the people of God, I gain wisdom for my life and my relationships. When I'm connected with the people of God, I, I have examples that I can follow and learn from. When I'm connected with the people of God, I got strength and support that I wouldn't have otherwise. And so he reconnects with people that he wasn't you know, with before for 16 months. And it was almost like those guys received, like all those elders of Judah, they received like a text from David going, hey guys, I'm back. I, I've, been, I've been away for a while, but I'm back now. And they're like, you know what, that's amazing. You're always welcome back, David. You know, we, we, we love you. You know, the door is always open. God loves you. He loves your family. And the best is yet to come. I, I'm sure that's, what, that, that's exactly what they did. And, and, and this is the thing. It's to show us that in the house of God, in God's house, the door is always open. Amen? The door is always open. You know, the, the, these doors will lock at about, you know, 9 p.m. tonight. But the door at, that is God's house, which is the people of God, is always open. And because it's always open, you can be away for a long time, and you can always come back and say, hey, I'm back now. Thanks for waiting for me. And that's the power of the people of God. If you believe that, give God a big, big hand here in this place together. Amen. You know, some of you, you've been away from the people of God for a while. Is that you've been maybe doing your, like, you know, just been busy. Like, maybe it was exam season. You're like, oh, I have no time for small group. Uh, or, you know, you're just kind of busy with family. You're like, oh, I don't, I don't have, I'm gonna have time to go to church, all that stuff. And, it, and it's, it, it happens. It happens. You know, we all go through seasons where we feel like we would be, we want to be alone. And, and, and we don't feel like we can handle it all. But can I tell you this? For those of you who are in that place this morning, don't let the thief steal, kill, and destroy your life by making you think that you can keep on going that way from now on. Is that if you want your home to be happy and healthy, if you want to be at your strongest and your best so you can be the mother that God made you to be, so you could be the dad that God made you to be, so you could be the husband that God made you to be, so that you could be the wife that God made you to be, so you could be the son or daughter, brother or sister that God made you to be, then we want to be connected with the people of God. It's time to get connected. Tell person, it's time to get connected. It's time to get connected. So I encourage you to make Sundays even more a priority more than before. Make small group a priority even more than before. And if you're not really sure what small group to join, you can call our church often and say, hey, I'm, I'm interested in joining a small group. Is there a small group for me? And we'll be like, yeah, for sure. We can definitely put you in a small group. And see, don't seclude yourself. Don't isolate yourself. Don't do what David did for 16 months and go, oh, I'm just going to do my own thing. Because he suffered, his family suffered as a result. Because a happy, healthy home always begins with your relationship with God. And a happy and healthy home is supported when you are connected with God's people. If you believe that, let's give God a big, big hand here in this place. Let's stand up. Let's respond to God. Turn, your, turn to your neighbors on your right and your left. Give them a high five and say, I need to be connected. I need to be connected.